contamination in the picker and uh, turnout are directly correlated to us. Picking is just around the corner, and as the pickers descend on paddocks, we all want to ensure that the best quality cotton makes its way to the gin. In this podcast, we're talking about contamination. What are the key sources of it and the steps we can take to minimise it? We've got two guests today. We'll be talking with St George grower Scott Brimblecombe and also the Cotton Info Technical Lead for Fibre Quality, Renee van der Sloot. There's a huge amount of information about plastic contamination, especially plastic wrap, on the Cotton Info website. This includes some recent videos that have just been published on our YouTube channel. So we aren't spending much time today talking about plastic wrap and we're going to jump straight in by talking with Renee about some of the other key sources of contamination. Well, I think it's it's uh, the two main areas is obviously uh, the whole crop, uh, you know, the picking and the ginning is obviously completely mechanised. So you, you've got machinery and equipment there and machinery and equipment can break down. So you, you'd have things like, you know, hydraulic oil, oil, uh, parts of uh, equipment that have fallen off and get uh, put into the into a round module or a, or a module and it goes to the gin or a, a piece of a gin equipment that uh, breaks down or a bolt or a nut breaks off and that goes in the bale. Uh, so that, that sort of thing happens. So it's mechanical, although that's not the major source. The major source is the um, is the human interaction, although we've sort of removed it quite substantially with the new John Deere harvesters, there are still some module building exercises around, but there are other general things where, where humans are around. There's always the potential of, you know, guys having or, or, the, or the operators having a lunch and then a lunch wrapper by accident gets you know, gets into the uh, gets into the field. You know, a lot of the fields, although we're not like in America, but a lot of the fields are sort of fairly close to town so you'd have you know plastic bags that have blown into the field pieces of uh, rubber piping that might have been left from irrigation you know it might have been cool in the morning when when the operators go and 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 do whatever they have to do they might take off their jersey or jumper and they might leave it lying in the field somewhere or, or hang it up somewhere and that gets caught up so basically it's two things it's the mechanical side of things and then the human interaction so it's quite important uh, to to sort of make sure you give a, give a proper induction uh, to the op- operators that they understand the consequences of uh, contamination but also to keep your um, your equipment you know, service it regularly and, and maintain it regularly and those two things look we're never going to have zero contamination. I think that's a pipe dream, uh, but we can certainly do put things in place to reduce it as much as possible. So what are some of the consequences downstream of the growing part of the industry if, uh, say, a piece of plastic finds its way into a, a module? What does that sort of mean downstream? Well, what what it is is that, uh, you know, 99% or maybe even 100% of all Australian cotton is exported and Australian cotton does receive a premium for its its uh, its quality, fibre quality, but it also receives a premium because Australia is seen as one of the least uh, contaminated cottons in the world and spinners are prepared to pay a premium for that. So if they then find uh, if they find contamination in a bale, that's great. They can remove it, but a lot of times that contamination is not detected until it goes into in, until it's been processed into a yarn or a fabric or even into a, into a piece of clothing. And once it's found, the further it's found downstream, the more costly it becomes. And and uh, you know we don't want to be in a situation. There are quite a few countries in the world that are um, you know, deemed as, as you know, majority of their cotton or the most contaminated cottons in the world, and they don't receive the same premium as what we are. So the premium is basically there of our fiber quality, but more, more so it's the, uh, it's the contamination, the lack of contamination in our, in our cotton. So 
at the last uh, ITMF cotton contamination survey. We were the number one least contaminated uh, crop in the world. So we need to maintain that in order to to keep getting the uh, the premiums that the growers receive. Being number one doesn't happen by accident. There's been a lot of education over the years, and I think I'm sure there's a lot of vigilance out there in the paddocks with growers, and they're well aware of the reputational side of all of it rather than yeah yeah just yeah yeah no that is that that is for sure and also you know uh, the gins uh, you know have are, are now starting to put in uh, sensors into their operations specifically in the module feeder to try and pick up plastic and and the gins will tell you that on a daily basis um, they do find a piece of plastic you know with, with the unwrapping or if there's a damaged module that comes in so that that's all helping uh, and obviously oh, you're right I mean there is a lot more um, education and a lot more uh, initiatives in that area. So the growers and the juniors and everybody is, is quite aware of the consequences. Uh, and specifically now, you know, it's, it's going to be a very big crop uh, this season. So we're going to have a lot of new people or a lot of people that haven't worked in the industry for a while. And so that's going to be the challenge, uh, you know, for the, for the growers and the farm managers and the consultants and also the juniors to make sure that everybody is aware of contamination and put things in place to prevent that from happening. Yeah, so you talked about letting staff know about the consequences. I think that's probably quite a good one in terms of helping them understand that it might seem to be a little piece of plastic, but that that can have quite severe consequences. And if we can help people understand that, they'll all um, take steps, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 right. I mean, if if, if people know, then they will, and if they're aware, you know, they'll have it in the back of their mind when they when they drop their wrapper, uh, food wrapper on the on the floor, for example. They might, oh no, well, and and you know, if there's where the guys are harvesting, there's a there's a bin there, or or there's a where that where where people can throw in their rubbish, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, it's 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 true. Awareness is, is is very important, and people will tell you that you know people are put as I said, people are putting sensors in, people are putting sensors in in at the gyms, even in the spinning mills. But uh, people will tell you that the first line of defence is, is is education. And Renee, I guess the other issue when it comes to getting to the gin is the whole issue of leaf and trash and those sorts of things. Obviously, we want to pick it as clean as possible and, and yeah. harvest it as clean as possible. But is there some key things that you would advise growers to do when it comes to that side of the equation? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the whole thing about the, the leaf and trash that that's, that's uh, you know, present uh, um, in, in the in the seed cotton, there's there's no doubt that the leaf and trash over the last couple of years has increased uh, and the gin turnout, the lint turnout has decreased over the last couple of years. There's no doubt about that. So, I mean, it's, it, the whole thing is to prevent that, it starts right, right from the beginning. It, it starts off with a variety that you choose, it starts off with your nutrition plans, you know, your nitrogen and your irrigation, uh, then, you know, your defoliation, you know, the timing of the defoliation, what are you defoliating it with? And in a lot of instances, unfortunately, you know, once a, sometimes a grower will defoliate and then it will rain and then you'll get regrowth again. And the problem is, is that certainly the, the cotton plants are a lot bigger these days. Um, so with the defoliation, a couple of years ago, when you used to defoliate, the leaves used to fall on the ground. Now it's caught up in the canopy, and so that naturally there's going to be more trash. And that, uh, together with picking the cotton when it's above 12%, causes obviously a lot more trash to go into the gin. And the problem then is that the gin has to remove that trash. And there's a couple of ways that that can happen. The gin can put in put in a lot more heat, which uh, can be detrimental to the fibre length. 
the gins might have to slow down and you know if you if the gin slows down it takes longer to gin it's more it's more costly for the gin there's more gas more electricity there's a potential for fires so there's a lot of uh, things that surround this um, leaf and trash uh, situation and moisture is something to be particularly aware of, I guess, as we get closer to harvest. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it is. And and, uh, and certainly, um, you know, the, the new John Deere harvesters, you know, they're very powerful machines, whereas uh, 20 years ago, uh, you know, if it was above 12 percent, uh, the, the spindle and, and stripper pickers uh, would be not able to to pick the cotton because they keep jamming. But these new John Deere uh, machines are a lot more powerful. And so they can they can harvest they can harvest. 12%, 14%, 16%. And I think the message there is just because it can doesn't mean you should. And uh, and that's one of the fears I have this year of, of the big crop is that the majority of the crop is, is is harvested by contractors. And so contractors are paid per hectare and there's going to be a lot of cotton that perhaps comes up at the same time. The contractors are going to be rushed because the growers are shouting for them to come and pick their cotton. And then perhaps there might be uh, a bit of a lapse on this side. So it's, it's very important that uh, certainly the grower or the, the farm manager or the agronomist or even I mean, the, the, the um, contractor himself uh, themselves make sure that uh, they, they really uh, pick the cotton below 12 percent. Lower would be better, but we understand that if it goes lower, then it becomes sort of uneconomical because if you wait until 10% or 9%, that means you've only got you've got a lot less hours to pick uh, in a day. So it would be nice to go lower, but we understand that from an economical point of view, that's probably not um, doable. We'll take a break from Renee there and head out to St. George. Like most growers, Scott Brimblecombe wants to do everything that he can to avoid contamination. It's very important to us. I, I've, I found in previous years that uh, contamination in the picker and uh, turnout are directly correlated to us. So obviously the foliation getting it right is very timely for us. We've moved from uh, two-pass defoliation to a three-pass defoliation and we're finding that we're getting more leaf off, we're getting more bowls open. It gives us a little bit more time to get those bowls um, mature and open and nice and fluffy so the picker's picking them easily um, and we're not pulling as much trash off the plant into the picker. So um, just getting getting that defoliation right is really key for us as far as it comes to uh, contamination. So is that with the bigger plant over the years, you reckon the three passes, you know, yeah, just hitting it and getting that leaf off? Yeah, just a bigger plant and it also seems to, uh, the new varieties, they seem to want to push through. So they don't want to pull up. Uh, if there's a bit of moisture and a little bit of leftover fertiliser in the soil, the plants want to just power on. So just that third pass with the defoliation just cleans up all the leaf, particularly uh, any reshooting on the top of the plant. Uh, just tidies it up nicely and just finishes off so that, um, yeah, just saves us pulling that leaf matter and that pin trash into the picker so that we're not getting we're not seeing it at the gin uh, the ginners are commenting that they are seeing a cleaner cleaner sample from the picker um, and that obviously must give us a better turnout which is um, you know bucks in the bank for me that's what I'm after and plastic can be a, another one that maybe doesn't always hit the radar but I guess it's there's always that message of keeping the farm clean and you know always thinking about uh, other contaminants getting into those modules. I guess it's less of an issue these days, but is that something you think about as well? Yeah, look, it's always an issue with the uh, the plastic wrap and the baling pickers. Um, look, typically we find that the the plastic wrap is pretty pretty good. They're pretty robust. We we, we have few issues. Um, I don't think. I think if I was to give you a figure, we'd probably have one busted bale every 
probably thousand rounds that we produce uh, it'll be something like that. you do have technical issues with the pickers occasionally but generally speaking i'm finding that we're not having much of a plastic issue um, most of those round modules that we go and pick up now we're picking up with chain beds and feeding them into the gins and that way the gins are actually making sure that the plastic's out before it goes through and so we're keeping all that contaminant out um, the, the fields are a lot they're a lot cleaner at harvest time without having module builders around that's for sure there's not as much cotton floating around we're finding it a lot cleaner with the round balers and the plastic wrap um, and just keeping the wrap out of the picker um, I think it's fairly easy if the pickers are serviced well Back to Renee now, and he points out one of the common misconceptions when it comes to the ginning process. And I think the other important thing to mention is, is that the quality of the lint is directly related to the quality of the seed cotton. There is that misconception uh, that the gin can improve the quality. The, the gin can improve the quality in terms of, you know, extracting the trash. If there is a borderline, you know, colour, you know, 31, 41 borderline, it can perhaps improve it. But other than that, the gin can actually, you know, be detrimental to your to your quality. It can, it can, as I said, it can decrease the length if they've got to put a lot of heat on it. And by decreasing the length, increases the short fiber content, then you've got, that will increase the net content as well. So, and, you know, that will then also make the spinners unhappy. So I think that's a very important message the quality of the of the of the gin of gin lint is is directly related to the seed cotton quality um you know because there's quite a bit of misconception uh, on that the gin can do some improvement but it can also be detrimental and so uh where can growers go if they're looking for a bit more reading or information or someone to talk to on this topic well, I mean, we, you know, we, we've got the uh, the Cotton Info e-news, obviously, which comes out on a regular basis. The CSD facts on Friday is, is quite informative. We've got the Australian Cotton Production Manual, which comes out every year. And obviously myself, I'm the uh, Cotton Info Fibre fiber Quality Lead, So, uh, and my details are on the Cotton Info website. So I'm happy to to discuss uh, where, the where it's necessary. Also, uh, you know, the, the, the gins themselves, what I think is also... Um, important maybe from a grower's perspective sometimes there are a small percentage of growers that will actually uh, be present when their cotton is ginned which is which is quite useful so they can perhaps guide the ginners or, or let the ginners know or inform the ginners what they want which would be good you know there is quite a few uh, occasions where a grower will get the classing data back and then they'd be unhappy about their grade or their length or something like that so i would urge uh, the growers if or their farm managers, you know, I understand that time is obviously of the essence, but it, it would be uh, it would be good if, if if more growers and farm managers actually take the opportunity. The ginners are very welcoming in in that regard to to be present when they gin the cotton, so they can actually experience perhaps the difficulties, the issues, the problems that the ginners encounter, uh, and that might also then help them, you know, downstream to perhaps change their practices or procedures. Uh, as well. This was the first of a two-part podcast on harvesting and fibre quality issues. Today we've looked at contamination, moisture and some fibre characteristics. In the next podcast, Renee is going to talk to us about sticky cotton and seed coat fragments. We hope you can tune in to hear us on the Crop to Top channel. Thanks very much for listening today.